I'm not sure it's going to be okay. I mean, I'm an optimist by nature. It's something that you need to know about me. And hey, if you're new here, my name's Carter. I get to be the lead pastor here. And if any of you do know me, I'm just an optimist. I'm the guy who, when his favorite sports teams are trailing by no matter whatever the deficit is at the end of the game, I'm working out mathematically in my head how we're going to win. Is anybody else that fan? I'm that guy. Could we probably just take a moment and pray we have a college football season? Can we just, could we gather the church together and lay hands on the season? Uh, But that's me. That's who I am. I I like just believing that things are going to work out. Uh, Negative people are kind of exhausting to be around. It's kind of miserable. And I think the world's got enough negativity right now. Anybody else? We need some optimism. And that's just who I am. But sometimes we can confuse optimism with faith. And when we do that, it can be dangerous. Uh, One of my favorite books is a book called uh, Good to Great. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's ever read it by Jim Collins. He is a uh, kind of a business leadership guru. He's just incredible in leadership. And in it, he tells a story about Admiral Jim Stockdale. Now, I don't know if you know who Admiral Jim Stockdale was, but he was the highest ranking officer who got imprisoned in a POW camp in Vietnam. In fact, he was a prisoner of war for eight years, from 1965 to 1973. Can you imagine? And Jim Collins asked him in an, in an interview in, in preparation for this book, he, said, he just talked about the experience, about how in the world he survived, and I mean, how in the world he made it out. And one of the things uh, that he asked him was, who didn't make it out? And Stockdale answered really a fascinating answer. He said, oh, that's easy, the optimist. And he said, what, what are you talking about? I mean, what, I, th- I thought you would need some optimism. And he said, oh, well, see, here's, here's the thing. The optimist thought this. The optimist thought we'll be out by Christmas. And Christmas came and went. And they weren't out. Oh, we'll be out by Easter. And Easter came and went, and they, they weren't out. Oh, we'll be out by the end of summer. And the end of summer came and went, and they weren't out. And every time they had a milestone in their mind that they would get out and they didn't get out, their hope faded. And they eventually lost all hope. In fact, this is what Stockdale said. He said, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And business leaders call this the Stockdale principle now, the, the willingness to confront the brutal facts. Hey, do we have any Navy veterans in here? You get a free book. You got to come, come get it. Yeah, there you go. Thank you for your service. But I haven't forgotten you online. There's another free book in my office. So if you're a Navy veteran, first one to post on uh, the comments that says, hey, I'm a Navy veteran, then uh, we'll mail you a free book. We'll get in touch with you. All right, so can I tell you the brutal facts? Are you listening? Are you ready? I don't know when this will end. I don't know if this will end. I don't know if there will be another outbreak in the winter. 
I don't know if the vaccine will work. I don't know there won't be more civil unrest. I don't think this will be the last contentious election. I think we'll have another one four years from now and another one eight years from now and another one 12 years from now. And I'm positive the world will still be broken. I'm not sure it's going to be okay. I, is that what we're all about? That everything's going to be okay? That, is that what the promise of God is? Is that what we think that, that Christianity or a relationship with God is all about? See, here's, here's what I think has happened. Is that we have decided that a relationship with God meant that things would be certain. And boy, we like it when things are certain, don't we? They're predictable. There is comfort in routine. And now all of our routines have just totally been upended. There's, there seems like there's nothing that's certain. We, how many commercials have you heard that said, in these uncertain times, right? And you're like, I would like some certain times, amen? Because right now, it just feels like everything is uncertain and everything is unpredictable and everything is, we're not exactly sure how it's going to work out, if it's going to be out. And, it, and we can't get our sea legs under us because everything is uncertain. Nothing is for sure. And I know what you're thinking. You're watching there at home or here. You're like, Pastor, thanks for the encouragement today. It's hard for me because I'm an optimist and I want things to be okay. And what the last five months have taught us is that perhaps we were worshiping at the altar of being certain. Perhaps what we thought our relationship with God was all about, perhaps what we thought what a religion or Christianity or a relationship with Jesus or faith in Jesus was all about was that if we would just do that, that things would be certain. In fact, here's what I, th I think I found, is that our faith was in a future that is certain instead of a father that is certain. God, I'm in as long as everything's okay. God, I'm in unless somebody gets sick or unless I'm inconvenienced or unless my routine gets blows up. I'm, I'm in as long as everything's okay. But if things all of a sudden turn and things aren't okay, I got some questions, God. Right? Because my whole faith has been built on this idea that if I follow Jesus, that everything is going to be okay. And the last five months, the last five months have just accelerated what has really been true all along. That our faith wavers, your faith wavers, my faith wavers, when things become less and less certain. Because really what we've experienced in the last five months, some of you have experienced before this. Things were going okay and you and God were okay and then you lost a mom or a dad too young. Or you lost a job. Or a loved one got a debilitating disease. Or you went through difficulties. Or you went through heartache. Or you went through hurt. Or you just in general, life was difficult. And you begin to ask the questions, how can a good God let something like that happen to someone like me? I thought putting my faith in Jesus would make things more certain. In fact, 
Some pastor may have even told you that. Some pastor may have even told you that all you had to do was follow Jesus and everything was going to be okay. Some pastor might have even told you if you just put your faith in God that you will be blessed and live a blessed life. And all of a sudden when things became less certain, everything got blown up. And you learned that maybe faith wasn't like that any, anyway. In fact, faith is the opposite of that. There is a, a book in the scriptures called the book of Hebrews. It's a letter uh, obviously written to a Jewish crowd, to a Hebrew crowd. And in the 11th chapter of, of Hebrews, uh, we affectionately call it the Hall of Faith. It's kind of a take on the term Hall of Fame. Because in this chapter, the writer of Hebrews details some people who are a part of God's story through the Jewish people, who exhibited incredible faith. And he details this tension between optimism or, or how certainty was never a part of the equation for the people of God. Because the people of God, listen, the people of God aren't people of certainty and aren't people of optimism. The people of God are the people of faith. So, if you got your Bibles sitting there at home, or maybe you brought some here today, or you're looking on your phone, I want to grab and invite you to grab them, but the, I want to walk through some of this. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, this is the, I typically teach from the New International Version, the NIV, which was revised in 2011. But perhaps you've got an old paper version. All the digital versions are all the 2011 version. And they just, you know, cleaned up a few words that they thought were better translations. But I've got an old 1984 version at home that I often read. And it, this scripture is, in the 1984 version, is how I remember it, how I memorized it and learned it as a child. And I think the language in it is powerful. It says this, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's what faith is. Now it doesn't matter if you use the word assurance or certain or whatever your translation is. Let me tell you what the, the Greek word there, the Greek word for certain there is elegos. And it means that by which a thing is proved or tested. It's the proof. Now, I want you to think about that verse. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Elegas of what we do not see. It is proved by what we cannot see. What? I mean, just think about that. The proof of, of our faith in God, the proof is literally in what we cannot see. God. Now, some would say that's not being certain at all, right? In fact, this is what our culture says. Say it with me. Seeing is believing, right? I'll believe it. When, I mean, have you ever, ever, you know, seen somebody do something and like your grandma said, like, well, I'll believe it when I see it, right? Seeing is believing. And that's how often a lot of us approach God in, in a relationship with him is that we think about our circumstances, we think about the things we can see, 
And we want God to fix our circumstances because for us, that's evidence that God is working in our lives. That's evidence that God is with us. We, we sing, oh, God is for us. It's evidence that God is for us if we can see what God is doing. And yet the writer of Hebrews says, well, that's not faith at all. Faith in God is actually the opposite of that. Faith is believing without seeing. Listen. If 2020 has taught us anything, taught us anything, it takes some faith to believe that there is a good God working on our behalf right now. It takes some faith in some things we can't see. And I think what is happening right now is that our faith is being deconstructed from an altar that we worshiped at called being certain. And I think it's high time that we put our faith in the truth of the scripture and that we reposition our heart in the place it's supposed to be all along. We need a better, more robust version of our faith. And the writer of Hebrews gives us a clear indication of what that faith is. In fact, the next verse, this is what the writer says. This, this kind of faith is what the ancients were commended for. This faith that was in believing in things that they couldn't see, this faith in, in trusting in, in what, what they couldn't experience, what they couldn't tangibly touch, this is, this is why we call these people heroes. And then the author goes through this litany of Jewish heroes. Abel, Noah, Enoch, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, and the army at Jericho, and Rahab, and over and over again, it just lists all these people who exercise this incredible faith. And faith is the key ingredient to a relationship with God. Faith, listen church, is not coming to church and me telling you that everything is gonna be okay. Oh man, I wish it were. I wish it were. I wish that that was what faith was. But haven't we figured out when you walk outside the doors or you walk outside the doors of your house that everything's not okay? I mean, hasn't at least this taught us that when you turn on the news, everything's not okay? That when you open up Twitter, everything's not okay? Everybody hates everybody on Twitter. It's not okay. We need a more robust faith a better version of our faith, the real version of our faith. Listen to what the writer says. <clears throat> and without faith, without faith, it is, without the kind of faith that Abraham and Moses and Noah and Sarah and Rahab and Joshua had, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That you cannot have a pleasing relationship with God without the kind of faith that believes even when they can't see. Because there is going to come a moment when you are going to have to remind yourself that God exists and that this is all worth it in the first place. 
There's going, to have to, there's going to be a moment when you look at bombs exploding in Beirut, when you look at a global pandemic, when you experience heartache, when you experience disappointment, when you experience hurt, when someone betrays you, that you are going to have to remind yourself that he exists and rewards those who earnestly seek him because what it's going to feel like right here on earth isn't a reward but punishment. That's what faith is. Not that everything's going to be okay. Not that it's all going to be all right. To trust that even if it isn't okay. Listen. That you're going to be okay. Because you're with him. And after explaining <clears throat> how all these people stepped out in faith, Noah Abel, Abraham, even when they couldn't prove anything, the writer says something about these people, and I think it's about you and me, that ought to reframe how we understand our place in this broken and uncertain world as people of faith. In fact, this underscores, this underscores how wrong we get it when we have worshiped at the altar of certain. And this, this highlights how we have to be different on the other side of this. Church, if we're not different on the other side of this, then we missed an opportunity. Because this should deconstruct everything that we have ever thought about what it meant to be certain or what we are certain in. This is what... The writer says, <clears throat> all these people were still living by faith when they died. So what, what is faith? I remember, I know it's just a couple minutes ago. Faith is evidence of things hoped for. It's being certain of what we what? Do not see. All these people we're still living by faith. In other words, they had not seen. They were living, believing in something that they had not seen as coming to fruition yet when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Abel didn't see the population multiplying as had been promised to his mom and dad because his brother Cain murdered him. Abraham did not see his offspring multiply so much that it became a nation Joseph died in Egypt and his people were enslaved under the evil Egyptian Pharaoh for 400 years. Moses, after leading them out of captivity and going with them for 40 years in the desert, desert and seeing the promised land in the distance, and he just needed to go a little bit farther, only saw it from a distance and died right there in the desert. The promise wasn't that God would fix their story. It was that they were a part of a bigger story and they realized that there is no certainty that exists on earth. That was never the point anyway. This was the point. They only saw the promises. They only saw those things promised them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. C.S. <clears throat> Lewis is a favorite um, Christian thinker of mine. Um, you may know him better as the author of Chronicles of Narnia. Um, 
he wrote all those that became all those great movies. But he was a deeply devout follower of Christ and deep thinker. He's a professor at Oxford University in England. And he wrote this one time. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. We want to be certain of things in this world, but you know and I know something to be true, and it didn't take COVID-19 to tell you this, but it sure has reminded us of this. This world will let you down. People will let you down. Relationships will let you down. The government will let you down. Society will let you down. Circumstances will let you down. Money will let you down. Everything in this world will let you down because you were not made for this world. You want some certain? I'll give you some certainty. I'm certain this world will let you down. There you go. What'd you learn at church today? Well, <clears throat> it's not going to be okay. <laughs> I'm certain that this world will let you down. I'm certain that if you put your faith in anything in this world, anything, you will be disappointed. The writer of Hebrews <clears throat> has this kind of funny line that says, if I had more time, and I'm like, well, I mean, you got all the time in the world, but... <laughs> The writer says, if I had more time, I'd tell you about even more heroes, people that are just like them. I'd tell you about uh, all the rest of them, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets and all these others that went through the same thing. And then he closes the whole section like this. This is something else. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. So stop complaining about a mask or the dining room or not having the dining room or staying six feet apart. You ain't got it that bad. I, I added that part. I love that song Brittany sung for us the last couple of Sundays. This is I'll fight my battles. But in the battle, nobody wants the story where they get sawed into. Nobody wants the story that in their battle they end up destitute and persecuted or living in a cave. And he ends with this. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The reason they didn't get it is because there was a bigger plan. God had something better in mind. And you know what he had better in mind? Us. 
that we would join with them and they would join with us because God is writing a story. It's not your story. It's not your story at home. It's not my story. It's God's story. And the promise is not that God will fix our story and make it pretty and make it work out okay. The promise is simply this. God's promise for your story is that you can find your purpose in his story. That is the promise. He's not promising that everything will work out on earth. He's not promising that you will get financial blessing. He does not promise that your business will succeed. He does not promise that your health will be okay. He does not promise that it will be easy. He does not promise that everyone will like you. He does not promise that things will go your way. And he does not promise that it will work out. He promises that you can live eternity with him and you can make a difference for eternity in this world because he got some work to do in this world. And just like he needed Moses and Abraham and Gideon and Sarah and Rahab, he needs you, he needs you, he needs you, and he needs me to do the work. Our faith was in a future that is certain instead of a father that is certain. Our faith was in this idea that if I just follow Jesus, that everything's gonna be okay, and I know what tomorrow's gonna bring. But friends, that was never the promise. And that was never the hope in which we were supposed to place our hope. True faith, true faith is better. True faith is in a father that's certain when a future is uncertain. True faith isn't trusting in the certainty of circumstances, it's trusting in a promise. And this promise is so good. True faith is trusting in this promise that there is a body that was broken for you. And there is blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins for you and me. And you and I can be a part of this New Testament community and this new covenant community. And here is the promise, not that everything will be okay and not that it will work out and not that the future will be certain, but the promise is simply this, that if I put my trust and faith in Jesus, when my future is all done, my past will not be held against me because my forgiveness for my sins was settled once and for all in a body that was broken and blood that was shed for me. And friends, listen, listen, that's enough. That's enough. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. If God never does anything else for you ever again, is Jesus enough? If you never make another dollar, is Jesus enough? If you get sick and your whole family dies of this crazy virus, is Jesus enough? If your business has to close down, is Jesus enough? If things never work out in your family the way you want them to, is Jesus enough? If whoever you want to get elected doesn't get elected, is Jesus enough? And then in four years, in the next contentious election, when your person doesn't get elected that time, is Jesus enough? 
If that relationship that you want reconciled doesn't get reconciled, is Jesus enough? If things don't ever get settled in your heart the way you want them to with that friend, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Is forgiveness enough? Is glory enough? Is grace enough? Is heaven enough? Or do you need Monday morning to look a little more certain? Have you said yes to that promise of enough? I want to ask you to bow your heads and invite you to say yes to that. If you're there at home, I hope you'll bow your head too. <clears throat> and if you've never said yes to Jesus to say, Lord, I want that in my life. then I want to invite you just to pray these prayer with me and just the words that, that you would use. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross to forgive my sins. Thank you for Jesus resurrecting to give me victory over sin. And Lord, I wasn't there, and I didn't see it, but I believe it. And I want you to be my Savior, to put another world in me, so that I can live in another world one day with you. And Jesus, if you never do anything else, For me. I want you to know, Lord, that's enough. In Jesus' name.